Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey, fellas, if you want to feel fresh, clean, smooth, and smell really good, either for yourself or anyone else who might be making their way south, you got to get hooked up, if I may, with Manscaped. The 3.0 Perfect Package Kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Some of these liquid tools for your family jewels include the Crop Preserver. It is anti-chafing deodorant for your balls. It's very good. It smells great. And you are going to really appreciate the difference that it makes. You've also got some spray-on toner. You've got some shower gels. You get a pretty cool and very comfortable uh, pair of underwear with this. And the main attraction, of course, that lawnmower 3.0. Uh, make sure you don't get any nicks or cuts so you're nice and smooth. You look good. You feel good. You smell good. So that, again, whether it's just for you or for anyone who might be taking care of you, well, you got to take care of them, too. So go to manscaped.com. Use code DNVR20, and you will get 20% off plus free shipping. Again, that's DNVR20 at Manscaped. Dot com. And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20. You'll get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously wonderful Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. Joining us, as always, is our beat writer, Patrick Lyons. And for the first time, from my old stomping grounds, Purple Row, and just a baseball man in general, prospect guru... Baseballer himself, Justin Wick, man, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to the show. Man, thank you guys. A big fan of what you guys do. I found out that you had an opportunity to put me on the air, and I jumped at the chance. So thank you guys. Absolutely. Hey, well, it's uh, there's a number of reasons why we wanted to do this, and we'll get to your, your knowledge of the prospects and just sort of amateur baseball and all that stuff in general. But first... Why should anyone care? I mean, who are you? Uh, so I, I know a lot of people out there knew who, know who you are, but for those who might not, and by the way, as our guy John in the comments pointed out just before we got started, Justin's wearing a Sky Sox hat right now, Colorado Springs Sky Sox hat. So credibility immediately. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of the rest of your, uh, your origin story, as it were? Yes, sir. Well, I grew up, I am from Parker, Colorado. Grew up, I was a fifth grader in 2007 and fell in love with the Rockies right away. That's a hell of a time to be growing up. Um, I have played baseball my entire life, left-handed pitcher. I am a baseball alumnus of South Mountain Community College in Phoenix, Arizona. And then I played two years at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. I think a year and a day ago, we took down Oregon State in a regional last year. So that was pretty cool. Um, most recently, I've played in the Northwoods League as a member of the St. Cloud Rocks. I've played there in 2018 and 2019. And I mean, I don't throw as hard as Riley Pint, but I'm still trying to make my way up the draft board a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. So I got hooked up writing for Purple Row in, I believe, October of last year. Graduated from Creighton with a journalism degree in August of 2019. So just a couple months ago and started putting my name out there going, you know, I want to work in baseball. I like this kind of thing. I got a journalism degree. Let's see what's going on. And was very fortunate. I mean, looking at message boards, finding out Purple Row's hiring people. And I'm like, 
yeah, I have Division One baseball experience. I have a journalism degree, and I've been a lifelong Rockies fan. Why don't we do this? And so I've been thrilled to be able to work for them ever since, and I'm having a blast putting some stuff together. It's almost the same as my story, except for the part where I was ever good at baseball or got a journalism oh. degree. <laughs> Other than that, it's the same story. Identical. <laughs> you, you mentioned playing at, at Creighton University, and I'm sure fans would love to hear your, your take on what Isaac Collins has been doing. Of course, he's uh, recently drafted by the Rockies, and uh, he's been doing a nice job so far. He's a teammate of yours. Yes, absolutely. One of my one of my favorite guys I've been able to play alongside. I mean, down to earth, very cerebral, very intellectual. I mean, he played in the Northwoods League for the Duluth Huskies as well. So, I mean, my time in St. Cloud, I was able to hear a lot of stories about him. And it's amazing to see how the paths crossed. It's funny that now all of a sudden I'm on the media side of things as opposed to sharing the dugout with him. But I mean, very down to earth kid. He's the kind of guy that you feel really good about throwing out day after day. I think it's interesting. You look at an NCAA schedule, it's 56 games over the course of gosh, of three, three and a half months. And then you throw them into a minor league setting where they're playing every day and it's a little bit different. He's the kind of guy that, especially seeing how well he handled the Northwoods League schedule, it was a lot of fun to be able to see what he was doing throughout the minor league ranks right away. And I mean, I have pretty good reason to be optimistic that he's going to be doing pretty well. Have you yeah, gotten he, the chance yet to interview somebody you've played with as a, you mentioned sort of switching sides. Have you done that yet? <laughs> Um, not in particular. No, I mean, it's a lot of my stuff has been writing and hasn't been interviewing but at this point, but I mean, I know there's with the Boise Hawks, Finn Delbonta Smith is a reliever. He played with me up in St. Cloud. I played growing up with Alex Ochterman was out in the Grand Junction Rockies. So yeah, I'm crossing these names and I'm looking at box scores. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be playing alongside you guys. How is this put together? But I haven't had the chance to talk to him. I mean, I think that might be a good thing because I just end up joking around and clowning with them like old times instead of putting my whole media credential back together. But <laughs> I think I would love to. I'd be all about it. And and you're not completely retired. As we were talking about before we went on live, you are hoping to, to keep the career going a little bit in the North Woods. Uh, fortunately, other issues are preventing that. But are you missing baseball, like playing it? Are you missing that aspect of the game? Yes. And I mean, it's, I think everybody's missing every facet of baseball right now. So I don't claim that my own take, I mean, I'm in the same boat as everybody else, but I mean, with the coronavirus and now with everything that's been going on in the state of Minnesota, I'm looking at, you know, for me to be able to get up to the Northwoods league and get a restart going, it got a lot complicated in a hurry, but you know, I am itching to play, but at the same time, I do recognize there are bigger issues in the world. You know, it's very selfish of me just to say, I want to play at all costs. Like, I mean, I recognize what's going on, but all the while, I'm still throwing. I'm at cannon arm training in Centennial, Colorado as a coach slash player, and I'm throwing my bullpens in the meantime, hoping that I can get some live at-bats going. So we'll keep making a push, and I mean, I'm eager to be able to get back up to St. Cloud, hopefully at some point this summer. But we'll see how it goes, and we'll keep up with it in the meantime. Yeah, I think one of the interesting ongoing questions is we've been doing this is how can you know prospects continue their development during this time off and now that we're coming up on our draft coverage here you know how do you as someone you know hoping to get drafted improve your draft stock when there hasn't been you know the the end of these college and high school seasons what do you do you know and 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 how are these guys who aren't you know the consensus top 10 picks going i have no idea where i'm gonna go in this thing oh but sure what is that feeling like right now well, it's amazing. I mean, as far as the guys that don't have any leverage left, if somebody's able to go back to college and realistically prove themselves again, I realize the whole NCAA waiver allowing people to come back gives them the leverage again. But I mean, I look at as far as I've looked around Ben Brewster with Tread Athletics, one of my favorite websites for pitching development. He put a whole comprehensive guide together of you want to build a squat rack out of wood here you go what do you need to do to put dead weight together i mean myself i went to home depot and i duct taped a hundred pound sandbag because i'm like this is what people need to do but i mean especially even looking at through the minor league ranks of you know you're I, nolan arenado got kicked off of his own high school field from what i hear so i mean it's not nobody's exempt from these kind of details i mean if somebody can't get on the field that's just the way it is but I'm thinking as far as a visibility standpoint, and I recognize, you know, now that the Cape Cod League is canceled, the New England College League is canceled as well. 
the visibility is understandably going to be very hard, but I look at as far as the player development type of things, I think it is good to be able to hit the reset button and really I mean, have a chance to work on your own development, especially if you can't be in touch with your college coaches. If you're a minor leaguer and you're locked out of your own facilities and now you're kind of supposed to fend for yourself. I realize this is probably me just mindlessly trying to be optimistic because that's the way I have to be as a pitcher. But seeing all these different details and what goes into it, it's we are in uncharted territory. I look at the $20,000 max free agent contracts that are also able to be offered after the five rounds that are shortened this year. I'm thinking those are very much designed for the guys that don't have any leverage. Like if you're looking at, should I take it or should I not going, you know, we're down to the end of the list. I realize a senior sign, if they're looking at, you know, I can't afford to go back to school. Like myself personally, if I was going, if I wanted to go back to Creighton, for example, you know, that's expensive. There's 11.7 scholarships to share. I realize there might be exemptions based on the added eligibility, but I mean, you're paying private school money for a lot of these kids. And that's not, that's no joke by any means, just to be able to go back and prove yourself again. So I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't particularly recognize, especially if you're familiar with college football or something. A lot of these guys have full scholarships. They've got all these details working for them. Baseball, they're sharing a lot less money over a lot. I mean, 35, 36 guys on a roster. So I'm thinking as far as, the leverage is going to be huge for those $20,000 contracts. If somebody's going to be able to jump to it, but at the same time, you know, the academic clock continued while the athletic clock paused. So if this incentivizes people going, you know, maybe like me, I finished up my degree. I have nothing enticing me to go back to school. If somebody offered me 20,000, man, I'm out the door right now, essentially. And I realize it probably wouldn't be that for me because, but I mean, seeing all these things that come together and recognizing this is what you need to continue to develop your craft to be able to let it go. I guess from a player development standpoint, and back to what I was saying, we've been able to get really clever, but I think it's been good for a lot of people to hit the reset button and really, I guess, be grounded on what kind of really matters in life. I was fortunate enough being able to spend a lot more time with my family, taking a look at this. And I don't know if it's a coincidence that I came back throwing better after the whole quarantine stay at home orders now than I did a couple months ago, but it's been really fun to be able to have a change of perspective. And I think a lot of people have been able to put their own development in their own hands, which for the right people, I think that's huge. Yeah. The development aspect too, you know, just as a whole is that, you know, you come back for a senior season or a redo, if you will, now you're, you're battling for playing time. So now you're not getting that same development. So you're right. The $20,000 really is, is, is not very much if if you can even get that much from, from a team, but it's, it's either take that. And and now I've got professional coaches looking out for me and I can work in, you know, various facilities, you know, probably down in in Arizona or Florida, Mm -hmm. or it's go back to school and maybe get, you know, thousands more dollars in debt, you know, battling for that playing time. And yeah, maybe more eyes get on you, but it's not going to do you very good if you're, if you're splitting time with somebody else. So yeah, it's, it's just a major challenge all around. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the people that I really feel the worst for are the seniors in high school. Like, I mean, let's say there was a ninth or a 10th round pick that was willing to sign. And now all of a sudden, you know, I imagine they're probably committed, let's say to a top division one school, but you know, if you're the top shortstop that's supposed to come in as a freshman and there's a would-be sixth rounder in 2020 that has no choice but to stick around, all of a sudden you're the high school senior that you don't get the eligibility waiver. You're still coming in and having to do this. So I'm working with a bunch of high school players in Colorado right now. I mean, between my own training sessions, I've been able to develop them. And I'm talking to a lot of these seniors and, you know, here it is, I'm supposed to be the guiding voice, helping them progress in their baseball career. And I'm going, yeah, um, you're a senior in high school and I don't know what to tell you right now. So, I mean, that was, that's the humbling experience for me going, you know, if this happened when I was in or even seeing like some of the guys that took draft picks, I graduated high school 2015, I believe I played with a kid at my high school was a ninth rounder to the Phillies. He took the draft pick instead of going to Mississippi state, Greg Pickett is his name. He went to the Phillies and I'm going, if the draft was five rounds, he wouldn't have gone in the top five. He would have forced to go to Mississippi state. Let's say their outfield was very much stacked with a guy that was going to stick around and you're kind of building up a whole mess of things. And it would incentivize a lot of kids myself. I went to junior college. I went to a school in Arizona. I'm starting to wonder if that's going to be the avenue that a lot of people elect to do just because if these rosters get a lot flooded, but I guess good news for Colorado fans is the junior college world series is in grand junction. So we might be in tune for some pretty good baseball right there. Let's go. Yeah. 
Yeah, the junior colleges are definitely going to benefit that in a major way. And for for those fans that are kind of new, just get into the draft for the first time. Like junior colleges is that's the minor leagues of Division One in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. some guys even make the jump; they go from JUCO, you know, to getting selected. And and you don't necessarily need to go to you know one of the Power Five schools. So yeah, you're right. Junior colleges are definitely going to be the ones you know who benefit from that. So if if you got a, a local college in your area. Definitely go and when the time is right to go support those those teams in your area. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, that's not to say, I mean, the level of baseball, too. And I'm not trying to bash the Division One ranks. But I mean, when I was at Creighton playing against some teams, I remember thinking to myself, I played against the junior college. Yavapai College won the national championship in 2016, which was my freshman year. And I feel, you know, not to bash any D1 schools that I played, but I think 2016 Yavapai could definitely contend with a lot of these Division I schools that I played against. So it's no slouch at baseball by any means. Granted, the ballparks might be a little bit smaller, but I think especially now, this might be a marquee avenue to at, at least pursue in, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and that whole town, I mean, it's like Mardi Gras for a week. Juco and Grand <laughs> Junction is like the whole town stops for baseball. It's pretty cool. Like some people, like they, they get days off of school for it. And like it's a, it's a big deal in that town and always has been. So that's pretty cool. I think one thing that could help everybody out if they're trying to figure out how to keep their legs underneath them during all this craziness is check out our friends over at MSU Denver online. You can never have too much of an education Uh, Whether you're trying to start a degree, finish a degree, uh, you want a backup plan, or you just want a couple of, you know, extra skills so that when things open back up more widely around the world, you can get out there, you'll be ready to attack it. You go to MSU Denver online. They got hundreds of classes and programs that'll get you hooked up with a quality education so that you make sure that no matter what craziness happens in the world, uh, you're, you're best prepared to deal with it so uh the other element of and and we do have by the way our, our commenter lonely whalers got your back on a couple things big yavapai fan they've been a factory for so long also big ben brewster fan so he's got <laughs> kurt chilling kurt chilling uh, went to yavapai so i mean it, there you go. a lot a lot of those juco schools down in arizona arizona and california i think a little bit more so than than florida but you know those those are the three biggest states where you're going to be producing a lot of really good amateur talent. And, you know, you know, maybe briefly you can touch on, because one of the strange things is that Creighton is in the Big East. Mm-hmm. And you, when, you, when you think of Creighton Blue Jays, you're not necessarily thinking of, of Northeast United States, but it, it can be hard to, to get your reps in when, you, when you're playing, you know, against teams up there because it's, it's just it's too cold, frankly, yeah. uh, to do that. Um, I mean, it's funny you say that. My mom and dad moved to Chandler, Arizona, and I left Denver for two months to go down there and train. So I got out of the snowstorm in late May, early or late March, early April, looking at it going, you know, if I'm going to continue developing my own craft and of course, all the gyms are closed and I'm at a city park anyways. So, I mean, but at the same time, it was 90 degrees instead of 40. So I'm like, well, here we go. But it was very interesting as far as, you know, me being a junior college guy in Arizona, the joke was we're shoveling sunshine in the middle of December, able to throw a long toss out on our own field. And then, I mean, it was interesting too playing at Creighton. Anytime there was a snowstorm that came through and we had a regular season game scheduled at home, if there was any sign of inclement weather, we very often got either postponed or canceled. Our home stadium was TD Ameritrade Park, which is where the College World yeah. Series is. And that's not Creighton's field. That's the College World Series field. So we were, I mean, if there was any risk of us harming the field in any way, we had to play it very conservative and understandably so. I mean, their grounds crew there does a terrific job. But I mean, more specifically, as far as the the format of what people are able to do to get their reps in, a lot of teammates that I played with up in the Northwoods League in St. Cloud are from the Minnesota area. And they're talking about, you know, if you're locked out of your own facility, what are you able to do? A good friend of mine's having to shovel snow to even pull out his tee to be able to get his hacks in because he can't do it anywhere in his house. So I think that idea, I mean, yes, now that the calendar turns to June, we've got a little bit of an avenue to do this and people are able to at least get on fields again. But when you see the backlash that comes out of some bad weather and everybody's trying to struggle to make it happen, you know. I guess that's a good thing that we've got air conditioning concerns now instead of heating, trying to get on a field. So we're in bed. We're in a better spot now anyways. Uh, 
so the the other big element that hangs over this conversation we've been having about all of the extra things to navigate, whether it be you know as a prospect or as someone hoping to become a prospect, is of course the uncertainty of the future of the minor leagues. And uh, you know, I just wanted to sort of get your take on that as someone who's trying to navigate it in multiple ways. We've you know had some people bring the argument that actually. Uh, this could incentivize more people going to college or that, you know, independent leagues could be just as good a methodology as going straight into, you know, rookie ball or low A. We don't need all those levels. So, yeah, I, I'd just like to get your take on that from sort of both angles of it. Man, it scares the hell out of me first and foremost. I'll put it that way. Um, I mean, it's very interesting, too, to see a lot of my friends that were late round draft selections <laughs> or even free agent signs that are either are or aren't with the team anymore. I think that when I mean, you look at the NFL and the NBA, there is a little bit more of a comprehensive sense of like Von Miller, when he was drafted by the Broncos, I think 2011, he went from granted, he was playing at Texas A&M playing football, but he rolled right into an NFL uniform and it took, I realized Nolan Arenado was a high school guy in 09 when he was drafted, but I mean, it took him several years to be able to work it through. And I mean, even if you look at John Gray was at Oklahoma, it took him a few years to crack into the rotation. Same thing with Freeland, this kind of thing. I I feel like I've heard before Tim Lincecum's best years may have been when he was at the University of Washington. And I mean, I that's all hearsay and third person. But I'm looking at this going, you know, let's say, for example, this actually was. I mean, what are we spending any time putting him in the minors for? Let's actually get him up to the big leagues. Let's see what can happen. I mean, it worked out for the Giants with three titles in five years. And as a Rockets <laughs> fan, I'm not going to pick a fight with that. You know, I'd keep him in AAA. But uh, no, I mean, I look at this as far as how much of a system do we really need? And I say this with the inherent sense of I myself would love to be a minor leaguer. I hope they expand the minor leagues so it gives me a better chance. But as far as I think there's always going to be an argument of how deep does it actually need to be. I really feel bad that this pandemic and all of these work shortages could realistically put a concrete stamp on how financially stable can these teams be, which I think that's the unfortunate reality. And the cutback proposals were all coming in before the pandemic even got started. So now it's only building momentum. So I think that there is an argument to be said. I don't want to say I agree with it or disagree because I'm kind of neutral as a player, but I think that the system is very much, it's good for high school guys. I think that a guy like Riley Pint or Nolan Arenado, if they need a couple of years to get in, I grew up playing 18 games in a spring in Denver in the Colorado high school system. And now all of a sudden you've got 162 games in a big league schedule. I realize Arenado is probably playing more games in California as a high schooler, but you're going from far from an everyday schedule to now you got to get into this system of playing every day, getting it rolling. And even in the NCAA settings, you know, you're playing 56 games over three and a half months in the Northwoods league. We play 72 games over two and a half months. So that's a huge training ground of, I mean, what are the rigors? And I think that that's something that should not be discounted is the multitude of games. Like I have to play differently in the Northwoods league than I do when I was at Creighton. And I actually like the Northwoods setting better just because I like playing every day. And as a relief pitcher, I had the days off anyways. So, of course, all the position players are probably laughing at me right now. But I think that there is an argument. I mean, back to what you're saying about how deep does the minor league system need to be. I think it needs to be deep enough to allow these high school kids that are being drafted a chance to be able to play every day. But how many levels do we actually need? I mean, if you put them in low A right away instead of sending them to rookie ball, or even if you put some guys in high A, if you start some of these college kids in double A or something like that, actually, how far do we need? If you put Lincecum to start in triple A, how far is it going to be? So I realize it's all here and there. We're not going to know how it's going to work necessarily. I think that there is an argument on both sides. And I think that we're going to be in for some very interesting news headlines in the next couple of weeks about how the minor league system actually is able to kick itself off. Yeah, yeah you, you both make, make really good points. I, I think the only downside to drastically reducing the minor leagues by 42 teams here is the communities in which those teams exist because you're right I, I think players can develop you know probably a lot quicker you've got the complex leagues even if you do draft a high school kid you can just leave him in Scottsdale for talking about the Rockies and, and he can have just inner squad games for a while before you set him out on the road next year so that that shouldn't be a problem um, it's just those you know the communities like Grand Junction and Colorado Springs uh, a lot of different places in, in Tennessee for the Appalachian League that 
they're just going to lose baseball altogether. And the junior college circuit will improve. That'll get better. Maybe the indie leagues will kind of, you know, rebound. So as a whole, I think baseball will be fine. It's just really sad that, of course, as, as we've discussed it numerous times on our podcast before, that there has to be those sacrificial lambs that we're going to see in 42 different cities across the United States. Yes. And I mean, there's something to be said about ball, a, a ballpark full of people. That's just, I mean, that's what we all, that's why we're all listening to this because we love watching baseball and, you know, MLB TV only gets me so far, man. I need <laughs> to be at the ballpark. I just like being there. And I mean, it, it kills me to realize that we're going to be depriving a lot of people if we actually do cut this. And I hope that we're able to work something out because I mean, I feel like it's a dying breed of going to the ballpark you know we can we can watch games on our phone we can text people we can do all this other stuff and baseball is supposed to be the escape i mean it's what's drawn me to the ballpark every single day it's what's made me enjoy being a player being a coach being an instructor whatever it is but i certainly hope i mean i look at the situation and not to plug my hat again but colorado springs (laughs) i grew up going to these games all the time i loved watching these i had a good friend of mine that worked for the team they would hook us up with tickets sometimes even if we could and i loved going to these just because i mean i followed the prospects i knew what was going on and I mean, I remember when they announced they were moving to San Antonio, the AAA affiliation of the Brewers. I was I was devastated. I'm looking at it going, I don't even follow the Brewers minor leaguers anymore. Like, I don't even know who's on the Sky Sox anymore. But I certainly think that I hope there is some endeavor, even if it's expanding independent leagues. I just hope there's some way to get baseball in these communities. And I think that's going to do a lot of people well if we can. Yeah. I, uh, I end every podcast with the phrase, I'll see you at the ballpark. Not I'll see you on Twitter or let's all watch the same thing together on TV. Uh, Man. That, you know, that every single yeah, podcast, like literally yeah. 400 times I've said that. Um, so I could could not be more with you there. Don't know if you're a big UFC guy or if either of you saw the event 249. That was insane. But just a primer. This Saturday, UFC 250 is starting off the June sports calendar with a bang the fighters are going to be crazy. They're ready to get in that octagon, and they're ready to help you earn money because at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, you are in the center of the action and with a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. So if you think you know who's going to fight, win the fight this weekend, put your money where your mouth is and place a bet on the winner at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you haven't tried it, it's super, super easy. And for a limited time, DraftKings Sportsbook has a no-brainer of a promotion. They're offering a 5-to-1 odds on Nunez, who is heavily favored. Normally, a $10 bet on a fighter of Nunez's caliber would pay only a net of $2. But for a limited time, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering $10 to win 50 bucks. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use code DNVR when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. Yeah, you don't want to bet on the chalk. It's, it's no fun. It's no fun. No, I'm not. I'm not going with Spencer. Amanda Nunez. That's the way to go. You win twice, right? Right. Yeah. She ends up winning, and that's great. You were rooting for the underdog, and then boom, you get the big payout. Gotta, gotta love that. Ah. Well, she's badass. <laughs> not that they aren't both obviously either kick my ass, but that's right. That is that is our DraftKings uh, pick of the week. Yeah. Go with bye. Nunez. Bye, Felicia. No, sorry, yeah. Felicia Spencer. Sorry. Bye, Felicia. Hello, Amanda. That is our DraftKings Sports of the Week. Uh, all right, Justin. So, so to jump back into this, I, I did want to get before. Oh, so much fun just talking about all the other stuff. Oh yeah, I was going to ask him about prospects. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you the big question first, and and this and I'm going to avoid allowing this to become you and Patrick versus me. <laughs> uh, but I, I we'll see where this goes. I've been very reluctant to accept the consensus right now on the Rockies farm system that it is generally speaking very weak um and, and I, I so I wanted to get sort of your top line takeaway of where you feel like uh the system is at and and where you feel like you know sort of the big strengths and weaknesses lie yes you know I think it's it's so hard to know and I mean I, I realize that's the most passive way I could answer that question but 
I mean, if you take a look at it's just I think Patrick, you actually tweeted out this morning something like somewhere around only 15% of the draft picks were signed, actually made it to the big leagues for the Rockies over the entire club existence. So, and of course, you know, you'll look at the first round selections, you'll go through the list. I think I mentioned earlier, you know, Freeland and Gray are both in the starting rotation. We've got guys that first round picks that instantly have got into the system, but where do the other guys come into play? And when you're looking at all these minor league cutbacks is going to affect everybody. I, some players are going to have to be cut. I think now more than ever, the playing field could be, I mean, I realize guys aren't going to cut their top prospects. You know, you're going to hang on to those people, but I, seeing how the playing field could, I don't want to say essentially be leveled because I mean, the guys that are being cut, I don't know if they'll be signed elsewhere or however that's going to work out, but I don't think that it's a cause for concern, particularly when the contracts for Wade Davis, Jake McGee, and Brian Shaw are all set to expire here in a little bit. I realize that's not going to be all of a sudden we're going to have money to spend. I don't know if we're going to be able to spend that money. I know we also couldn't get Yasmani Grandal this offseason, that whole kind of thing. But I don't know if there's so much concern about, you know, is it more important? Do we have a bigger farm system or do we have a financial pocketbook that the Rockies are able to open up again? So I think the biggest issue is if Arenado is going to stay, do we invest in, do we need to make sure that this is going to be a winning team? If he's sticking around, let's go pay some guys. Let's go get this rolling. But if for whatever reason he doesn't stay, does that mean we're going to need to invest in the minor leagues and to be able to get this rolling? So, man, I wish I could have that power as a player. How cool would that be? Just the entire fate of an organization. (laughs) I mean, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think it's particularly a cause of concern. I think that especially if you look at a lot of the pitching prospects in AAA, I mean, Jeff Hoffman's always knocking on the door. Chichi Gonzalez is right there. I mean, you're looking at all kinds of – I mean, we go out and get Jose Mejica even, and he might even be starting in AAA. You've got Peter Lambert, hopefully, that whole strain that sidelined him in spring training is doing well. But, I mean, he's a potential starter. So I think that pitching depth is huge which I think that's going to be very good, especially if you look at the recent draft picks after Gray and Freeland, what's been able to make happen. I think it's been, we can come to a consensus. The Rockies are going to have a tough time luring premier starters just because I'd hate to talk altitude again, but who's, who's going to, I mean, it is what it is. I grew up thing. Yeah. I'm sitting here going, no, but so, I mean, all the while you're going to have a hard time luring any premier free agent arms, but I think that the Rockies, the first thing that you look at is how deep are these pitching prospects going to be able to go and who are the guys in AAA that could inevitably be coming up through? Because, you know, if we're not going to be able to sign a Garrett Cole, we're going to need some homegrown dudes just like Freeland, just like Gray that are able to do that. And I think that we do have depth there. And I think that's the first thing to look at going. That's something to be pretty excited about. Yeah, I think, you know, by saying that the Rockies maybe have a a weaker system when compared with others, it doesn't necessarily mean that it, it, that the Rockies have done a bad job drafting. I mean, 50% of it does at least. Because let's think of it like this. The Astros were penalized first in a second round pick for their mega cheating scandal, right? Well, the Rockies didn't have a, a first round pick in 2017 because they signed Ian Desmond. So yes. you can't necessarily hold that against their system as far as minor leaguers go. But you just wiped away a super huge prospect right then and there. Then in yeah. 2016, we've seen that Riley Pint hasn't really come to fruition, unfortunately. Will he make the majors? Sure, but he's not going to be the front of the rotation starter they were hoping for. And uh, with the supplemental pick in the uh, competitive balance round, they took a reliever in Robert Tyler. So the Rockies, between 2016 and 2017, lost almost exactly what the Astros have been punished for this cheating scandal. And... That's going to be why, of course, your system is is not, you know, is not considered one of the best right now. Doesn't mean there's aren't going to be some really good players coming out of it. But when you compare it with what are these, with these other teams are doing in the draft, hitting on these first and second round picks, or even just rebuilding and saying, hey, look, we're going to trade away some of our stars for these young players. So the Tigers may have a way better system than the Rockies but they don't have a better major league team. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade, you know, uh, organizations with Detroit just to say I had a better farm system, but sure. They got a really, you know, they got a good, a lot of good, really minor leaguers and in the deals, you know, that they've made for, for various players over the last couple of years, because they were rebuilding. They did a really good job in the draft 
and they deserve to have you know a, a top ten, top five system. Yeah, that's why that's they're right. at where they're at. That's as I explained why the Rockies are at where they're they're at. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, and there's so much. I mean, that's that's a tremendous point about the Ian Desmond sign. I mean, the, comparing that to what the Astros have, that's. I mean, it is no different. I mean, I, well, I it is different because I don't think any of us like what the Astros did. But I mean, as far as I mean, I look. You look at the 2006 draft. The Rockies took Greg Reynolds second overall. I mean, everybody's going to be quick to point this out. It was who could we have got? Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Andrew Miller was even on the horizon right there. But how do you know? Like, seriously, you're looking at Greg Reynolds. He was a stud coming out of the draft. Like, I mean, this was a guy that everybody was going to want to get their hands on. And, I mean, if for whatever reason, let's say the Rockies passed on him, I'm sure some other organizations might have taken him before some of the other premier pitchers. So I always have a tough time evaluating, you know, how strong is the minor league system? What is to expect? Because, I mean, we didn't even really know. Nobody would have imagined what happened to Wade Davis put up after what he did in Kansas City. I mean, that's a big leaguer. And now we're projecting, you know, you put that third deck over somebody's head. What can we evaluate for somebody that's never played in a ballpark like this? So I've admittedly, I've always kind of, I've favored, of course, following the big league clubs. Myself as a baseball player, I didn't want to, didn't want to obsessively follow the minor leagues because I wanted to be there myself. I mean, I was just like, well, why don't I just work to get there instead of work to report this? But I mean, at the same time, I do realize there's so much that can unfold. You look at the Davis, McGee, and Shaw signings for the Rockies. Those were premier big league relievers that we were hoping to be able to get a tremendous result out of. And that's not to say it's all been bad, but well, we'll let the viewers decide there, I guess. <laughs> First year of Davis just, was good. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, let the NL and saves. Absolutely. Wow. But, I mean, how do you know? And, I mean, we're talking about legit big leaguers, that these guys are supposed to be the forefront. And I get as a, this what kills me, too. As a journalist, I'm supposed to put together a concrete. This is what to look for. But I think part of the reason I've always shied away from the minor league discussion is because you don't know. It's so hard to know. It's able to follow good performances, and you can feel good about it. You know, we can feel good that Sam Hilliard's going to be a tremendous outfielder, but we don't know. Took, yeah. took the name right off of my lips. He's the guy I have used as the example of, of what you're illustrating here sort of over and over again. Because even as someone who's a 15th round pick, and I got out and got eyes on him week one, and then the middle of that season out there in Grand Junction, and I saw I saw what everybody else sees right now. A kid who's six foot five who can hit the ball 450 feet and has elite speed and a great arm. And I went, well, if he makes enough contact, that's a big leaguer, uh, but then I had to wait four years, you know, or so, close to two and a half, three years, to see if he was as a fifteenth round pick. And as we sit here today, we watched the young man destroy the month of September, and you know, so so now it's all it's part of all of our jobs now to to give you analysis, Rockies fans, about Sam Hilliard, whose floor could be. Maybe that's the best we'll ever see of him in the big leagues. And it turns out he was taken in the 15th round for a reason. And he strikes out way too much. Pitchers figure him out and he's done. Or he could end up being a starting outfielder who hits 25 home runs and steals 25 bases and entrenches himself as a piece of this franchise's future forever. So <laughs> so, so you're saying... So which of those is it going to be, Justin? <laughs> so you're saying he's either going to be Pedro Serrano in the first half of Major League or the second half of Pedro Serrano. That could be one of those oh. two. <laughs> Uh-oh. He's got a thought coming. I've got – you just reminded me. Now, I, I'm, I'm actually very curious about Justin's thoughts on Sam Hilliard, but, and I don't want to derail it, but somebody hit me up on Twitter with this um, taking an analytic approach – to baseball movies and I, I've been meaning for us to have this conversation on here because my first thought was it, an analytic manager never would have let Pedro Serrano take an at bat against somebody who's got one of the best curveballs in the league. <laughs> Not gonna let yeah. that happen. <laughs> this is a it, sham. Each league is a scam. What is this? I have a feeling those analytics will, will ruin some movies for some people or will just enhance I that that's fine to me. Like I could hear that and go all right, that's fine. It's a movie. I, I, I don't really care, but I like that. I, w I would rather know it, though. I'd rather know that little little fun fact, so to speak, right. you know? Right. Which of these things would be handled differently? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and just are there any other guys who, you know, th those young players? Because this is the other issue that I have with that, that you know, this ranking the farm systems thing. It's like, 
when you've got a guy like Brendan Rodgers uh, or dudes like Garrett Hampson or, or even Ryan McMahon and Ryan Maltapia, who've been in the big leagues for a couple of years, but Tapia's never been an everyday starter, and McMahon just became one. So there are, like, all these other little levels, too, to whether or not you're a young player. So, uh, of you know, is there someone among those group of guys you find particularly intriguing? You know, I am – I look at as far as – the left side of the infield, Arenado and Story, their contracts expire at the same time. So I've always tended to favor, you know, let's look at certainly Brendan Rodgers as the glaring example, but even looking at McMahon, looking at any of these infield prospects that, because the direction of the Rockies franchise could be changing drastically in the next couple of weeks, I mean, in the next couple of years, just as right. far as, let's say Arenado's unhappy, he's out. Well, the arbitration deal that Story settled, he's in the same time frame of what Arenado's looking for. You know, story could understandably have more money to be able to stick around. This could be the alternative that this is a good sign. But, you know, all the while you look at how long is Charlie Blackman going to stick around? Does that mean Toppy is finally going to be able to break into an everyday role? Does that mean Hilliard's going to be the guy breaking in? Does this mean Ian Desmond's going to leave and it's not going to particularly matter because there's going to be space in the outfield for these guys? So I think that, I mean, especially if you're talking about how strong is the Rockies farm system really, well, they essentially have, I hate to say, a farm system at the big league level. But, I mean, when you look at all of these, there might be a platoon in left field of three guys between Hilliard, Desmond, and Tapia. So those are three guys that I think any organization, or at least any lesser outfield stacked organization, you can make an argument. These guys could be everyday guys. You look at Elias Diaz was like one of the routine catching starters for Pittsburgh, and now he could be the backup to Walters and that kind of thing. I mean, I get that's a whole different thing. That's a waiver pickup and, I mean, all, all kinds of layers to it. But, I mean, there is a system within the Rockies 40-man roster that I think is definitely something to be speaking of. But as far as back to your question, I like, would like to think the infield prospects are going to be people to really look for. I think that there is optimism for Rodgers returning after his labrum surgery. I was really hoping we'd get a little bit more spring training so we could see more of him. Of course, he was sidelined for the early parts of it. I'm like, I want to see this guy play. Let's see what he's got. I was watching and, him take BP, dude. I was watching him take infield practice, and I was just <laughs> I, and I and, it, and I was seeing it. Not to get everyone out there, whatever, but you and you know when you see a guy who's just locked in, you're like, man, he came to play this spring. I would not want to face actually no i would want to face that guy just to see how i fare but yeah that's crazy stuff and i mean i think that the direction of the franchise i hate to put it on a young player like that because again there's so much that we don't know but i think that a lot of the rockies future could be decided on that infielder specifically and i think there's a lot of optimism there too and he's hungry to play too he hasn't been able to play for the back half of the season after the surgery and of course, here I'm looking at Chris Sale having Tommy John surgery is ideal for this time. But even if there was last year, and now he's like chomping at the bit. I got to make my big league debut and return for Tommy John, and I can't play right now. I mean, Rogers is in the same boat and that kind of thing. I get not debut necessarily, but we're looking at this going. This guy is hungry to play, and he is just dying to make it happen. And I keep looking at it going, it's going to give you a breakthrough story like Trevor Snow, pun intended, like Trevor Story was. But I'm just, I'm dying to get that. Like, I'm, that's the number one thing that I want to watch with the Rockies as soon as we're able to get this started. I'm fangirling out right here. I said, yeah, so dude, no. <laughs> no, I think actually I, I would agree with you. Him and Sensatella are the two guys I'm, I'm ready to watch. Um, but we do have to get a little bit of uh, draft coverage, draft talk out of this before we can let you go. And if you're, you want to be nice and alert and aware for the draft, it's going to be a long show. We're, look, we're doing a three-hour live show. Uh, and, Justin, we'd, we'd love to have you back a, a, as a guest maybe uh, during the live once the Rockies have made a, a pick or two and we can uh, talk about what they've done or what just sort of in general how things are unfolding. Uh, in the draft and we're all going to be drinking strava craft coffee because it's going to be a long show <laughs> and we're going to need the energy without all the jitters and the crash that you can get from that normal crap coffee that i used to drink in what feels like a different lifetime ago because strava craft coffee use that promo code dnvr20 you get 20 percent off they send it straight to your house you can get it in the k cups you can get whole bean any way you can get coffee they've got you covered depending on whatever your machine does for you uh, it, it really has helped me out. I'm not making that up. It's been 
Uh, very transformative for me. If you've ever been curious about it, it's CBD is non-psychoactive. Don't worry about any of that stuff. It's delicious coffee. Don't worry about any of that stuff. And yeah, it'll keep you going. So remember, use the code DNVR20. You'll get 20% off your entire purchase of Strava Craft Coffee. So we got a, a draft of five rounds. <laughs> First of all, how weird is that? And uh, do you have, a, have you looked at the landscape yet? Do you have some favorites that you're hoping might make their way into the Rockies organization? You know, I like the trend of, I mean, I know I mentioned earlier and I've said for a while, um, you look at Jonathan Gray and John Gray. Jeez, they call him Jonathan when they do. Dude, no, you took me back to 2013 right there. (laughs) Uh, Draft terms instead of big league terms now. Um, That's right. For the draft, he was Jonathan Gray. That's correct. Yeah, and it was the funniest thing. Now I catch myself going, wouldn't you know it? Um, You had, you also, yeah, you also had Peter Alonzo. Uh, before he came up at the beginning of last year. And you had Mike Stanton before he was Giancarlo Stanton. So, yeah, Jonathan Gray, I, I love it. It's a good good callback. James in a matter of three or four years, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> um, I mean, I look at it as far as you look at those two guys, Gray and even Freeland. They were first-round picks out of college. They had certainly proved themselves in NCAA Division One ranks. And – you know, I don't mean to bash Riley Pint because I'm the hugest, I'm the biggest fan for the guy, but he was out of high school and, you know, you're throwing 170 miles an hour. Like, what are you going <laughs> to, at that, that age too, going, you know, he's coming from, he's playing in Kansas. He's playing a routine high school season there. And I mean, I know the high school fields in Denver that I was playing at. It's safe to say it wasn't like Oklahoma was for John Gray, but I generally, I I definitely favor the starters, the starting pitchers, and looking at it, particularly given the altitude is going to be very hard to entice a guy like this. I'm looking at, I mean, just the draft board that there is, there's Reed Detmers is a guy from Louisville. I think he's a left-hander, big left-handed guy. Here we go. Um, I think that's who is very good selection would be. I'm also very biased towards, there's a guy from the University of Minnesota, Max Meyer, Get this six foot 165, which I'm going, there's some Chris Sale action going out of that body frame. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, he's humming in the upper 90s right there. And I'm looking at, you know, people will say, is it better to get a more like bigger body that could withstand? I mean, we're talking, who are these relievers that are coming in that might have less body size going, you know, I'm the skinny left handed guy coming out of the bullpen. I'm not going to be throwing seven innings, but. I really like Max Meyer, and I think that's more my inherent bias because I think those are the guys that are really fun to watch, and I'd love to follow a guy like that. I think Detmers might be a safer pick at 6'2", 205 is what he's listed under. I think that's a more projectable body frame for a big league starter necessarily, and that's not to bash what Meyer is because Chris Sale is also my favorite pitcher ever, and I love watching him go to work. But I think that those are two guys that I'm, I'm pushing for, I know the outfielder from Arkansas, Heston Kerstad, he could, I mean, that's a good bat. I think that's somebody, a lot of people at Purple Row have been writing about him saying this is somebody that could be going through. But at the same time, we're looking at these guys. All of them are coming from major Division One programs. It's going to take them a lot less time to realistically get into the swing of things than it would a high school guy, of course, which I think that any of those dudes would be a good sense of a pick. But I'm also hoping that we can put a starter together. And here it is. I was praising the prospect system going we've got all these guys in triple a or breaking into the bigs that we have pitchers but this is going to be an inherent problem i think the rockies are always going to have more than Forever. anybody else it's going to be hard to retain guys so i if it were up to me i think that i would heavily favor a projectable starting pitcher and i think that's the way things should go yeah those are the two names that drew and i i think are probably favoring right now me more so Max Meyer, uh, whereas as Drew's is interested in, in Reed Detmers, we actually, just when we started going live, uh, put up our, our mock draft where Drew and I went back and forth. Uh, you can read Drew's comment. He had the ninth pick for the Rockies and, and wrote exactly that. You can uh, read his words on the challenge of, of being the Rockies and how you almost have to go the starting pitching route. So if you get a chance over at the DNVR, take a look at our mock draft where no surprise, Drew number one overall took Spencer Torkelson. No surprise, I took Austin Martin. No surprise, number three was Asa Lacey. And after that is where you might find it It gets yeah. interesting in our draft. Yeah, I heard Jack Veen is another high school guy going, you know, how long are you going to wait to develop him? 
might make sense if you're looking at, you know, if there's a team that's already at the forefront, that's going to, but I mean, that this, you're not, we're talking Seattle and Pittsburgh and Toronto and Kansas city and Miami, like these guys, I guess, yes, you could have the time to develop them, but how long do you, I mean, if it's, if you're waiting a long time, as opposed to if you're putting Torkelson in the uniform for the Tigers, I think he could be in the big leagues pretty quickly. So I think that's part of the danger. I think that's always going to be a danger of the draft going, you know, if you want to make an instant impact, the lesser teams are going to have the team with the draft picks at the top early on. But I want that Max Meyer kid, man. I think that'd be fun. I like watching that guy throw. I've, I've really come around on Max Meyer. It's funny. Um, I, I dubbed him in our notes here. I've, I've, I've dubbed him small John Gray. Uh, I like that. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, because the, the only thing I can think that's like the, like you said, the only question there is the body. He's just not uh, a great big dude, but uh, the uh, baseball America says he's got the best fastball slider combination in this class. Um, he's projected to go in that top 10 range. If he's on the board now in the mock, we did not to give too much away. I did not have the option of taking Max. He wasn't available. Someone. It'll be really interesting to see how those six, seven, eight picks play out because those top pitchers who, cause, cause I'm with you, Justin, also in, uh, philosophically speaking, who have college experience and who are a bit closer. And there's kind of a grouping of five pitchers in that range, two of whom are high school guys who I've overlooked a little bit. I'm going to look into a little bit more. And then the other three are the college guys, two we've talked about, Detmers and Meyer. And then there's uh, Garrett Crochet, uh, six foot six lefty throwing 100 miles an hour out of Tennessee. He must uh, be nice, man. <laughs> Just, just touching triple digits as a lefty just easy um, just uh so so yeah and 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 i'm very intrigued by him as well uh i've had some people uh hit me up already on both sides of this detmers doesn't have elite enough stuff he's got a ceiling as a number three and you want to spend your number one pick on that guy or crochet you really want to go with this another guy who's just so much flash and maybe questions He's got uh, command issues. You want to put that dude at Coors Field? Yeah, and I mean, it, it's funny you say that, too, because I mean, I look at Max Meyer out of Minnesota. I, I, I definitely agree. I hate to keep reverting back to this guy, but, I mean, you're talking about the fastball slider mix. I think the pitch mix is something that would play particularly well. I mean, exactly like John Gray. I couldn't have put that much. I shouldn't say exactly, but I think something else that deserves being noted, and this isn't to say a place like Detmers at Louisville wouldn't put this together, but – the University of Minnesota plays their early season games when it's cold up there. They play at U.S. Bank Stadium. In, that's the home stadium where the Vikings play in Minneapolis. And he's already used to the third deck. I realize that a packed Coors Field isn't quite like a couple thousand at that venue. But I'm, I'm definitely getting the idea going, you know, if you've at least been used to, I'm in a bigger city. I'm, I get the college game is different. But this is a kid that's proven himself as a guy that can pick up significant innings in a setting like that, that I don't think that should be discounted. Granted, you know, you'll send him through the minor leagues a little bit and it's going to be a different altering factor, but he's already been used to the third deck right there. And he's already proved himself with that body frame to be able to handle what I hate to say the bright lights of a city like this. Cause I, when I was at Creighton, we played at Minnesota and I was like, man, there's the Vikings are just doubling over infinitely how many people are here. But I mean, I think that's definitely something that should be noted. At the same time, you know, Louisville's making trips to the College World Series all the time, so it's not like they're unfamiliar with it. But it'll be fun to watch these guys. It's interesting to see, I hate to say, who can handle this kind of thing, because, again, that's hard to predict, and I mean, that's a whole other story. But I think that's a fun characteristic to follow of a lot of these guys. And, I mean, that's something that I always looked at, looking at these college programs that these guys are coming from. You got a school like Vanderbilt or a school like Louisville or a school like Minnesota, they're getting a lot more attendance. They're getting a lot more exposure than some of these other schools or even these high school players that are there. But I think that if you've proven that you've got a pretty solid fastball slider mix at a venue like that, where you're playing against some elite players, that's going to be a guy to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah. The one thing you mentioned is, is, is the what, like, you know, how much uh, time is, is ultimately you're going to be needed for these guys in the minors uh, going from the high school players versus the college players. But the bigger question is the how. How do you develop high school players with there being no short season baseball? It's much different unlike any other time. And so I think because there's such strong 
college pitching right now in, in this 2020 draft and with, with the uncertainty of, of what's going to happen for these young guys being forced to play in, in complex leagues. And, and maybe it doesn't really uh, affect their growth at all. Maybe they, they're able to make the jump, kind of like a guy like a Jared Kelenic, who we saw you know do that with, with Seattle last year, ended up in double in A after a year and a half of out of high school. So by no means is it does should you not be looking at a, a competent bat like a, a Zach Veen or Robert Hassel, you know, I, I get that. Or, or Austin Hendrick, of course. But for the Rockies, you need pitching. You might as well get the experienced guys rather than some of those high school arms. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, particularly if you're looking at a high school guy going, all right, so you're drafted, you did it, cool. Now what do I do? I don't know if we're going to have a minor league season this year. I'm sitting at the couch. I just graduated high school and now I'm a first rounder. And like, I mean, your life has completely changed, but your day-to-day life and it's just like, well, I'm going to report to spring training next year. I think this is going to work. So I mean, that's a big reason I've looked at a lot of, I mean, part of the reason I think a lot of people should pursue junior college going, you know, rather than being a freshman at a division one school, being on a potentially flooded roster, go to a junior college, go and play. You don't know what's going to happen. And the same capacity, I think that, of course, we'll watch a guy like Zach Veen absolutely break out in like three or four years. We're all going to be looking back on this conversation going, wow, look at this. But I think that it is a safe pick to be able to go with an established guy. And I mean, I don't think that any of those top big college pitchers early in the draft are going to be a bad choice for the Rockies. Of course, we might look back on that the Greg Reynolds of six story. I realize everybody's going to do that. How do you know? Like, I mean, again, we're going to go fast forward however many years and see what this works out. But I think that we're in a good spot. And I think that it's pretty, I think it's justifiable what we have going for us. And I think the Rockies will understandably follow suit at least. I mean, that's, that's what I would do. And I'm whatever it is. Yeah. And it'll be really interesting to see because, because I'm with you, like straight up, I would not take Veen if he was on the board at nine. I would probably second that. And, and like, I get like talent any other year. I would, I probably wouldn't say something like that. I see David Dahl in this kid. So if he stays healthy, that's yeah. a very good baseball player. <laughs> like I'm not discounting the kids. It's so time. bad. We're like, we're discounting these guys just because of the yeah. year. Like that, right. I mean, that's something that just sickens me too. Absolutely. It sucks. And, and I really wonder what's going to happen to the guys, the position player, high school guys who are projected to go like, in the second or third round, or even late in the first round, who might just fall and fall and fall because teams are like, no, you know, I'll, I'd, I'd rather reach back maybe 10 spots on my talent board and not take a high school guy. Yeah. It's, it's going to be crazy. We're going to be, like I said, we're going to be covering it live and we'll just have to see who these guys are, these high school players who any other year might have been taken 20th. The, the, they're going to be taken. 200th or something like it's yeah. something's gonna be crazy it's just and so I, it's just so sad and i even posit i even posit this i've i've even heard some sources that there have been some some players that some teams have been able to see from from high school from the high school ranks that other teams have not even seen at all because their seasons were so short the college season sure. got off and they got upwards of, of 16 or so games but high school not at all so you could have a guy being taken in the second round that might not even be on Baseball America's top 500. Again, they're only picking 160 players this year, five rounds. That's it. And there could be a name that gets selected, and Drew and I and our, and our entire production staff and team are going to be scrambling going, Nobody knows who this guy is. Weeks of research will be like. If you're a high school guy at home, yeah. If you've been throwing and you could pop a 98, you put that on video. You put that on Twitter. See yourself show up in the fourth round. If you get drafted, call us. (laughs) I saw an article on ESPN the other day, and it was talking about there's a 17-year-old kid. I don't even know this kid's name because I was enamored that all of a sudden out of the woodwork, he's sitting 97, just in a warehouse throwing high 90s, just getting it done. And I mean, that's exactly right. If you're a high school kid, you don't know how the scouting system has been able to work out. If you're in a cold weather climate, especially how many games, if any, were you able to get in? I think there's a handful. I mean, like the pitchers that I'm able to work with in Colorado, some of them got one scrimmage in and that was it. So, you know, you're trying to showcase your stuff. You're trying to debut this. I understand, you know, on Twitter, we've got places like the Pitching Ninja, Rob Freeman put together flat ground. And I mean, that, that levels the playing field a little bit, which 
I've been checking on that obsessively, just going, yeah. we're going to crazy stuff that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. But I mean, that's absolutely right. You're going to look at, I mean, I think that there could be a second or a third rounder that people are like, wait a second, where did this guy come from? Especially because this is uncharted scouting territory. So I think this has the potential to be one of the more interesting drafts that honestly we've ever seen. And and it's not entirely unprecedented because the one of the reasons why Mike Trout ended up slipping to the back of the first round was because it rained a lot in New Jersey that spring. That's it. Teams weren't able to get their eyes on these guys. The college players is different, right? Because they've 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 seen them. They they scouted them ultimately in high school. Most of these guys that you're going to see taking the first two rounds from the Division One ranks, they were already selected in high school, so the teams are already familiar with them. They've been on the radar for three years, just because they didn't get to see them play for two months doesn't mean they don't really know what they've got. But these high school kids and their growth spurts and, again, their, their off-season regimen, you just don't know. So that's why you got to tune in to, to watch our DNVR draft day coverage. That's big time, man. I got to check this out. This is, this is legit, man. And seriously, if you guys want me on, absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge taker for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have you. We're, we're going to have, by our calculations, about two hours between the Rockies pick <laughs> At nine and thirty-five, uh, we're we're gonna be having some some guests in there to talk about what's going on. So we'll definitely have you in. Uh, I think sometime during that, we'll fit you in there somewhere. But that that'd be great. Sounds uh, good to me. I'll take it. Because uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, before you get out of here, uh, plug. What do you got going on? What what are you working on? What are, what are your projects? Where can uh, people find you on Twitter? Uh, uh, anything recently you've written you want to plug? The floor is yours. Man, this is this is legit. This is big time. Like you guys are rolling out the red carpet for me. All right. Um, well, I mean, I guess something that I want to give noteworthy attention for. I am the throwing technician for Cannon Arm Training, based out of Centennial, Colorado. We are. I forgot our Twitter handle. Wow, I'm really living up to my name. Let me pull this up before I. As I say, you can keep going. I'll pull it up. Um, we got a red cannon right here. This is at Cannon underscore Training. Here we go. There we go. Oh, there's my camera. Uh, we have 17 or we have 16 followers and we're following 17 right now. And it would make me look a lot better if we actually had a better Twitter following. Well, Let's get this guy. Yeah. Now, buddy. <laughs> Let's get this guy up to 20. We can do it. Man, we can get something going right here. No, I mean, we have a tremendous operation going on right now. And I mean, it's, I, I think in over the next couple hours, I'll have a, several guys coming in, working the system through and, it's a developmental system. The pitching coach that I work with, that myself, I mean, I'm hitting velocity records right now as we speak, which is a lot of fun. And I realize it's not its not by any means Reed Detmer's quality by any means, but I feel like we're definitely creating some good momentum as far as we're getting a lot of guys to where they want to be. We've got Rapsodo units. We've got, we're working with all kinds of different expertise, people that are at the Anschutz Medical Campus. We've worked with professors to be able to track movement patterns with a lot of high level quality stuff. So this is what I'm doing right now. We are located inside Elite Speed Sports Performance. Unfortunately, they turned the music off in the gym. I'm there right now, and it's not too loud, so I was able to work this interview in. But this is what I'm doing right now. Tyler Sheppel, everybody calls him Shep. He's the guy that let me take an hour and a half break to be able to put this interview in. <laughs> Shout out to him. But I feel Shout very – there, there, there's me on the screen right there. Look at that. I got the little Twitter header with the mountains right there. There it is. Too, because I was the one that put it on, so I guess I can't talk too good about that. But no, I mean our website, CanonArmTraining.com. This is what we do. We are based in Centennial, so I mean, if there's anybody that even wants to talk baseball, come on in, man. I got enough time. I spend half my life here, anyways, because I got nothing better to do other than write and pitch. So, I mean, that's what I'm up to. And I mean, at this point, you know, big shout out to the St. Cloud Rocks for being persevering up there in the Northwoods League. And I'm hoping we're able to work something out. And on top of that, you know, big shout out to you guys. Uh, this was this was a lot of fun. I've been following you guys from afar with my little voice at Purple Row. But I mean, beyond happy to be able to be here. And, you know, thank you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, big, big, big shout out to Tyler Sheppel. Division One, University of Washington. Pitched a few years in the Brewers minor league. So if you're looking for training for your... For your kids, you need to get those reps in right now because a lot of them do. Check out Cannon Arm Training. Man, I, I got to pay you guys or something right here. That was awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. I like no, that. No, no. <laughs> we, we appreciate your time and, and your perspective and, uh, dare I say, expertise on the matters at hand. So, yeah, we'll, we'll do this a lot more draft or no, man. We'll, we'll, we'll make this a regular thing. 
Uh, well, I shouldn't say or no. You'll you'll be a part of our, our Man, I'll take coverage. It, absolutely. Um, cool. So yeah, everybody out there, if you don't want to miss any of that stuff, the next time Justin's going to be back, our draft coverage, any of our articles, make sure you're following on all the social media. You've subscribed to the DNVR.com. Uh, you make sure you subscribe to all the different podcast feeds. Uh, check out all the stuff they do over there at Purple Row. Without Purple Row, I would not be here. That's where I got my start in the sports writing uh, business. I, I guess I can call it that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Industry. Uh, as it were, uh, so they, they do a lot of great work over there. Uh, Sammy B, rocking it, uh, taking over the, the reins there. She's done an extraordinary job. Let her know we said hi. Uh, everybody, go get some cool merch. Uh, I don't know what's on sale this week, but something's on sale every week. Other than that, we can only hope that out there you will continue to be absolutely awesome. In here, we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons, Drew Creaseman, and Justin Wick. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.